Hey guys, welcome to the Lo-Fi Crypto Podcast. Just want to remind you that none of this is financial advice. This is just two dudes talking about things that they think are awesome. Invest carefully and do your own research. And with that, turn it over to Sean. So just to dive in, the topic we want to talk about today is NFTs, which for uh, the reason why I want to talk about NFTs is you're seeing them just about everywhere right now on TikTok and in a lot of your uh, your sort of new fi space of your younger generations figuring out finance and investment. You know, it's it's kind of popping up all over the place. Clubhouse, um, Twitter, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. So uh, just very quickly, we'll talk about what an NFT is and then we'll kind of, Max, I'll let you take away the floor. Um, so at first, really just the simple ideas of NFTs um, is that NFT stands for non-fungible token. And what that means is that it's non-fungible means that it's not interchangeable. So if you and I each had one Bitcoin and I took your Bitcoin and I swapped it with my Bitcoin, that would be considered fungible because we consider those assets interchangeable. So something non-fungible means that you can't interchange it. So it means it's unique effectively in a way. So an NFT is a unique item. So kind of where that typically immediately lands its its interest or its application is in art. And the first obvious place is in digital art. So what we're seeing NFTs is people selling basically digital artworks that are effectively unique based on um, the fact that they are sitting on a crypto uh, based asset. So effectively you have uh, a degree of authenticity or, or a certificate of authenticity when you buy an NFT. So that's kind of the main heart of it. A couple of just super specific details. Um, one of which is that what makes an, another element that makes an NFT unique is that is non-divisible. So if you think about Bitcoin as you can trade one to eight decimal places of zeros or seven decimal places of uh, zeros, um, that means it's divisible. You can do smaller amounts with something like an NFT. It is non-divisible. So you cannot take that piece of art and break it up into other pieces of art um, or other subsets. So that's kind of an interesting specific constraint to it. And then lastly, kind of, this is more of an application layer thing, but the fact that a lot of smart contracts right now, when artists are selling these smart contracts, there's a stipulation in, in selling this art that says, Anytime this is art, this art is sold is sold in the future. A percentage of that sale goes back to the original artist, and so you're kind of seeing this interesting longevity with um, art and how artists can sell art and make art off of or make money off of their art years down the road. Um, if that piece of art continues to be interesting and valuable and traded, so I think that's kind of the overview of what nfts are they're pretty popular and just about anybody can do them if you're willing to pay for the gas fees so uh max that's kind of what we're seeing everywhere what are your uh what are your thoughts on this yeah i think so i think nfts are extremely exciting but in recent days all the hype around it has kind of made me very cautious or a little bit concerned because i think they have the potential to um all this excitement around it, I think, uh, is heading towards maybe poor implementations of NFT NFTs that could lead to a lot of people kind of feeling burned by it and then an overall kind of people losing interest in them, which is that's what I'm most concerned about and kind you, of why I'm 
um, the current climate of super hype uh, is is not what I'd like to see right now because I believe in this long term. Um, so but, you you see a disconnect between the hype and some of the underlying actual like applications that are getting implemented. Can you give me an example? Yeah, I think a good example of that is the um, the NBA Top Shot NFT packs that you can buy where you get a pack of uh, NBA clips and you have a chance of getting different rarities of clips. And the rarity is determined by like based on you know the the moment and the uniqueness of the given uh, moment in you know in the in the clip. So so does um, that does that mean that I could buy a clip from a player getting like their shot stolen or they airball and that would probably be a common a common yes NFT that would be a common something more rare is something you know half court you know someone you know nailing a shot or gotcha. something like that in a particular player. Um, or, you know, there's also, um, the market has determined rarity of commons as well. Um, we saw a, a common card of a certain player that was the 88th issue of that common card, but also the player in the clip, um, wears the Jersey number 88. So oh, that cool. unique pairing, um, has created a, a new tier of rarity that is actually separate from the assigned rarity of that clip. Cool. So that's kind of awesome. interesting. Yeah. So what's your what's the what's the concern? What's the issue here? Yeah. Then? So this is all really cool, and I think I'll, some of the implementation of it is awesome. I'm glad to see it. The but the core issue that I'm seeing is that uh, what most people don't realize is <clears throat> in the fine print, um, you these the 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 rights to these clips are going to revert back to the NBA after two years. So the idea that you are buying, um, you know, the, the analogy that everyone has is I'm buying a piece of art and I can sit on it for 10 years maybe or more and then sell it at an art auction for millions of dollars. Because that's, you know, that's the analogy people use all the time and that's just a natural assumption. Um, that does not seem to be the case. I think obviously it would be a very bad idea for the NBA to actually revoke the, the license. Um, it is probably in their best interest to just let that go forever indefinitely. But the fact that it could be revoked already is going to diminish the value of these. Um, and I think that's um, a huge blow to kind of what this could evolve into. Do you feel that they, because this is such a new idea, there's not an established understanding of why NFTs are valuable and so that the NBA is capable of sort of like redefining the scope of the product before it's really established because effectively what you're describing is you're just leasing a moment which right i mean that's i guess that's interesting to some but sounds a lot less interesting to me if you yeah i feel like if you've coming from the interest of cryptocurrency from this thought then this is far less interesting i mean but again maybe you could lease that moment maybe leasing that that moment could afford you other financial opportunities or investment opportunities so maybe it's not entirely a lost cause but i agree with you not owning the underlying asset kind of defeats the whole purpose right and i think they obviously they could fix this in the future uh, this could get all corrected but i think the the uh, the problem is a lot of people are building the 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 top of this or the the front end of this you know they're everyone's rushing um 
to basically follow the hype of the recent um, value of Pokemon cards, basically. Everyone's right. looking at Pokemon cards or just all trading cards are, have gone up in value recently uh, in a huge way. So if this is the new way of just like capitalizing on that excitement and that hype to own things that are rare, that are nostalgic, um, but without doing the actual work needed to make sure that this works um, for the long term, I think that's a big problem because Pokemon cards, for example, since they actually are physically printed a certain number of them, they are actually a more uh, a robust NFT than any of these NBA clips. And I think that's a huge problem um, that a Pokemon, you know, literally cards that are literally designed to be collected and have different rarity um, are more robust than the latest technology you know implementation of something like that um i think that is going to if people find out and are disappointed there could be a lot of trust lost in nfts so that's interesting that you that you're interpreting that the trust loss will be on the nfts i feel my my two cents on that is i feel pretty confident that we're seeing enough unique implementations of the idea that things like this NBA situation will get sorted out pretty uh, easily. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see the NBA change their stance on it, but assuming they don't, because let's assume they're being a more traditionally business-minded, that's still a service, and that's still a value to some. Um, so I think... My two cents is I don't see that being ultimately a long-term problem, but I do see it being a short and a medium-term problem of maybe people losing faith or it stunts the growth of the space because of the biggest player setting the standard in a less decentralized way, so to speak. Do you feel that the NBA has enough influence here to make that impression or how do you think this plays out in context to people and the NBA's NFTs? It's a really good question. I, I think, you know, kind of going back to something you were expressing earlier of this may not matter in the long run. Um, I think that could be true if they work to really empower the sharing of these clips to be meaningful, to create a platform, to display them. Um, then the, you having control over how and where these clips are viewed by other people, that could be worth enough that the fact that you're kind of leasing it may not really matter. That could, that could bring a lot of value. So I think what the platform is or how many platforms can be used to really kind of show off um, this asset that you have access to um, that could be hugely meaningful, not just for the NBA, but I think that's actually solving a problem for all NFTs because um, I think one of the biggest barriers for NFTs right now is really solving for how do you create an effective gallery so that people can view these. Um, you know, I, I, maybe some people aren't, aren't interested in that. They're literally more interested in the buying a piece of art and locking it away in a safe. Um, I'm, I personally think that devalues art generally. I'd like to see more places for a lot of this stuff to be displayed so people can enjoy it. But then also I think that assigns a, a different level of value to it. 
so I think that's a, a critical problem to solve for. Right. I, I guess I would describe it as the gallery problem. It's it's my. It was funny you started to say that, and my my thought that I was going in my head is like it's like buying a gold chain but not knowing how to wear it. Like like I feel like the space doesn't know what to do with the assets they're buying. Um, I'm seeing right. a couple interesting implementations, but I don't think they're really scratching the itch from the conversation you and I are having right now, which is yeah, like, I've seen I've seen a lot of the VR stuff. Right, right. Um, and I think that's cute, but it, it's, I, I think, I think it, mits, it really misses the point, I think, for me. Um, there needs to be ways for the artwork to be rendered in multiple mediums. Um, and, and I see a lot of people really concerned about, like, well, what if my art gets copied? If I put it in too many places, someone could just rip it, um, you know, screen record, you know, and then post it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that actually threatens the value of the the core NFT just because, you know, I've gone to museums countless times and they were always selling posters of the most famous paintings. Um, right. I don't see many people framing them and pretending like they actually own that famous painting. Right. Um, so I, I think I, I think it only larger distribution of this of the NFT content only brings more value. So, so I think whatever can do that effectively, I think, is the, the right way forward. But I My obvious use case for me that seems to be like a why is this not happening yet is honestly just the the amount of aesthetic. And I'm going to use that incorrectly intentionally. The the amount of aesthetic being placed onto computer design and cases and keyboards and desktops and you know your battle stations community why would that community not value a desktop background that is actually true art to me that is a no-brainer space where that community would probably be like yeah of course i've got a 200 dollars keyboard why wouldn't i have a 200 dollars wallpaper i totally agree that's actually something i've never thought of um but uh the thought of that is i think extremely exciting I mean, um, battle stations. People take photos of that all the time on Instagram, you know. Right, right, and people are proud of their battle stations. And yes, maybe there are pieces that are are common in some battle stations, but that does that that doesn't make any two battle stations alike. Um, it seems to be a yeah. kind of interesting space for that to, or a also, lot of, a lot of the headspace of that has been already sort of tackled already in that community, in my opinion. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you just made me think of how people were you know, in recent years, putting uh, small LED monitors inside their cases, um, either on top of their CPU um, or in other parts of it. Um, That's an excellent place to put an NFT uh, to add increased value um, to your crazy rig. Max, if if you were to put an NFT on a screen inside your computer, what would it be of? Um, Hentai. Hentai. Any particular 100%. one? What? what no, would... I mean, tentacle porn for sure. Uh, <laughs> Do you think your computer would go up in value or down in value by adding the hentai? I mean, I think all that matters is how it makes me feel in my heart and in my loins. And, you know, I think that's really the the heart of this conversation because art is subjective and beauty is forever. 100%. <laughs> Um, I don't have anything else. If we want to, like, if you have more, we can go there or we can open up the questions. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really curious to see what other people have thought about NFTs or what people are curious about in regards to NFTs. It's a massive space. Yeah. I'm just thinking about juicing loins now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, juicing them, huh? Is, is, okay. that, is that the NFT of, of yeah. loins being juiced? Yeah, I mean, there's a free art idea. If anybody wants to make that happen right now, uh, there's your, that's a million-dollar NFT idea. <laughs> Oh my god. Does anybody here own an NFT? Damn, everyone's leaving. Um no, I I've thought about I thought about it recently, uh picking one up, but I I, I, I Max said something earlier that, that really made me that I've been feeling it. It's like all the it's all hype right now and I'm afraid that there's going to be this oversaturation, like obviously it's happening right now. Um and then that essentially a crash, you know. Um because you know what's the point of owning something that everybody's now making like to me that's no different than instagram like when you get to a point you know right right saturation can hit a point where everything's effectively free because there's so much abundance of it so much supply of it i think it's also i think the nft topic will probably get pretty boring eventually and that's exactly the right place it should be and that's why i think i'm also you know hesitant on the current hype right now because it it honestly should just be a basic part of digital art creation and just creating of, of valuable, unique assets. So like, for example, like Nike's actually been using um, NFT technology in air quotes for their shoes as a way to prevent and stop um, the counterfeit? Um, counterfeit shoes being made in China because they have no direct control over you know, the factories that that make their shoes in China. They kind of do. They try their best to have as much control over them, but they really, they're, they're very limited. So they're, they've been working towards building a blockchain solution that makes it so every time a shoe comes off their conveyor belt at their factory, it gets assigned an, a unique number that is trackable um, on a blockchain. Um, I think my understanding is the larger goal is this is something that could then be um, given to, you know, access to it can be given to different uh, shoe stores so they can more easily validate uh, an authentic shoe versus a fake shoe. Um, But it's a real problem for them because the fakes are so good or literally the factory that makes their shoes turns and makes a few runs on the side. so it, I think this is going to be something that's actually relatively commonplace in all things that are made uh, because duplicating them is going to become that much more easier with technology, uh, cloning things, or, yeah, I mean, pretty much just the creation of everything. Well, if you want to protect it, making an NFT just makes sense. Max, you ask a really interesting ethical question, which is basically the Jurassic Park question, which is just because you can clone something doesn't mean you should what if you know we figure out cloning technology with nfts and then dinosaurs take over well you might actually where my thought that could happen but my thought was cloning technology of human beings is just going to become rampant and the only way to really protect uh your unique identity is to issue an nft to yourself oh my god that's that's terrifying uh, so I mean, uh, honestly, uh, security, uh, social security numbers should be NFTs. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that it's just seven or is it nine, nine digits, and it's just like that's it. 
There's no security to that. Like, if someone just knows those nine digits of yours, they have access to so many parts of your life. Is insane. Yep. Yep. Never intended to be used that way, but we built upon it. I The other thought, and kind of counter to Mud's point of how oversaturated the market is right now, there is a part of me that's wondering, like, yeah, but these are also effectively, like, alpha cards. And, like, if you bought an alpha card of, you know, like, a Magic the Gathering set, doesn't matter if that's a garbage card. The fact that that was just one of the very, very first ones, and you're one of the mm. earliest adopters, makes me think, like, I should buy something as an NFT, because, like, just on the odd chance that since it's old and it will be one of the oldest cards, it will be inherently worth something. And that's almost separate from the art itself. 100%. I think that's super true. Um, I I, I want to buy a few NFTs just to, just to have them. Um, you never know when, you know, you accidentally get a... Uh, you know, an alpha or whatever edition black Lotus or something without realizing it. Right. So the, the interesting thing that NFTs have kind of been dealing with lately is the, the Ethereum fee problem, which if you, there's, there's just for sake of this thought, um, there is a Solana based NFT platform called Solible S O L I B L E dot com um that effectively offers the same functionality without the transaction fees the market is obviously way smaller because most people are familiar with solana i'm sorry with ethereum but this functionality has now made its way to um other chains in the likes of solana and serum and uh to me shows that this space could actually evolve pretty quickly. Um, and some of the core problems, this could be a use case in which um, people that drives people based on Ethereum network fees being too high. Mm. So kind of interested in following both the literals of that space as well as the abstract parts of that space. I wonder how much things like Soluble will gain interest over time. Um, I imagine actually in the case now that I'm saying this in the context of NFTs, it probably won't because I would bet that people, at least in the traditional art sense, aren't buying fine art to hold it for five minutes. They're buying it to hold it for long periods of time, to hold for long periods of time. And in that context, then you're going to be typically buying more expensive things and things that were you, if it's more expensive, a $50 transaction fee isn't going to be a problem. So now that I'm saying that I don't think NFTs will be a use case that drives people to move to better networks, better f networks based on gas fees. But I agree that I is think you actually, you, you probably want to be at the biggest market. Um, if you care about the value of the NFT, then being where the most people are or what the largest market is for NFTs is probably what um, takes priority there. Right. Because what you, the inherent issue with NFTs, they could go up into insane value. Like Beeple sold his for $800,000. Um, the long-term problem with NFTs is liquidity. Like there's 
you have to have a, a buyer in order for it mm. to one have value and then for also you to sell it it's more similar to like real estate that way right um if the market's hot great you're gonna make a killing if it's not no one really wants what you're selling um you're kind of screwed you need right. to find someone that wants not something like yours but exactly yours right do we have any other questions about nfts or just crypto in general So do you ring. guys think the uh, like NFTs will segue into like esports or like sports memorabilia is like a big $10 billion market um, with the growth in esports? Do you think NFTs could like, so I can get like a signed football or baseball, but like, could I get like a signed AK-47 skin or something? From like an esports player like do you that's guys think that could be something big i think absolutely i mean i think back to um valve basically did something like that with dota and the internationals for the last almost decade that you could get your your badge scanned by a player and it would effectively sign an item in the game and it was pretty cool um, I absolutely think that's probably a market that will see this sooner rather than later and is probably one of the earliest forms of that. Just because that already has a market where skins are already valuable. So just adding a basically another stack tra stat tracked element to a skin or even just any element like that I think is going to be really compelling. Um, I think that's a great use case. Yeah, it seems like an inevitable layer almost to like the skins and everything and all of the games. What would, days. in the context of something like StarCraft, just because that's a game you and I played a bunch, what would be an NFT in StarCraft that you would actually want? Like a Zergling with like Idris face or something? <laughs> Hell yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh something like that. That would be pretty sweet. I, I would definitely pay for that. Especially if I was the only one who could have that. I mean, yeah. Well, sure. what if what if you made it this way where every single unit cr uh, crafted during like the grand finals is issuing an NFT? So you might have like Marine number 37 that you bought as an NFT after the game that you can run in your game. And so like as you're pumping out units, you know, if you pump out 36 Marines, the 37th Marine is your implementation of the NFT. So you have your units, but you can get like local copies of all of those units. Wow. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, That'd be really cool. cool. Like game-worn units or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, this lucky Zergling is from the first win I ever had. Okay, cool. That's always the same NFT that I use on my first Zergling I make. It kind of gets to an interesting point of like, so I guess let me explain uh, the context here. Um, people have been talking about gaming NFTs and skins as something that could be transferred between games. You know, a lot of people have pointed to the problem with game skins is that you don't actually own them. We kind of do, but the moment if the game shuts down, then boom, your skins have no value. And that providing a way for those skins to be transferable outside of that individual game um, 
is kind of like a, a problem to solve. Um, I don't think it's really a problem that anyone's ever experienced, but I think it's an interesting idea. But I think the core issue that I see with that ever getting really implemented or solved is like, say I create a platform where skins could be made and they're NFTs, they're owned by me. And there's maybe a few games that allow me to put that skin on different items. As a game developer, you may have a certain art style or aesthetic that would clash with a portion of IT I, I, NFTs, probably a majority of them actually. Um, then you're in a weird position of trying to create a filter or a censorship layer to allow some NFTs and not all, which then inherently would create um, a different value system for NFTs that are more widely acceptable in some games than others. Right. So there's just a lot of layers of problems to be solved. And I actually just don't really see that. I don't think that's going to be the place where NFTs are successful, even though that's kind of the first place where people were talking about NFTs. They're trying to solve that in-game skin well, problem. Well, I think the reality is, is this. I think the in-game in -game skin problem is really just a measurement of the market viability and i think it shows that digital goods are valuable to people who use computers and play games where i think the actual literal implementation will be will probably just ignore whatever problems you're talking about and do the most simple version of anything that those people who buy skins are like well that's cool i'll just buy that too um and it's basically like its own form of a skin that's where i kind of what imagine what will happen um maybe it's not inside of a game maybe it's outside of a game but it has something to do with your account or anything. Um, to me, it's just more of a, that's the same audience will buy both of those than, uh, than those two those two ideas actually effectively merging. Cause I agree with you. Implementations of NFTs amongst X many games is just an absurd problem because you have local implementations of different artwork or something and then it's like, okay, well, which one's the most right version or the version you're referencing? It's kind of really confusing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Hmm. One thing I think that might be worth exploring in a future episode is some of the legality of, of NFTs, because I think it really does have the opportunity to solve copyright law in an interesting way in paying people out uh, for royalties on digital goods. Um, but my understanding is that there's, out of all the NFTs that exist, none of them actually have that functionality. Mm -hmm. So it'd be really interesting to see and better understand what would need to happen to do that because I could see an amazing, bright, utopian future where YouTubers and Twitch streamers are actually able to use different pieces of content um, like music, uh, artwork, and and actually pay out the artist um, and pay everyone out in royalties correctly. Uh, I think the reason why we don't see that more of that happening is just like it's confusing and really complicated. No one actually knows how to or what it would cost to do so. Um, that's That's what I really hope happens with the evolution of nfts to solve issues like that on the internet that have kind of before you know the the legal kind of reality hit everything was really exciting and awesome people were creating 
amazing original content. Um, and then slowly the hammer comes down and squashes that. Uh, I'd love to see, uh, I guess, a correction. Um, there's a place where people can pay out the artists that created something um, and then make something new in addition to that. Well, so this is a really fascinating kind of problem you're kind of acknowledging a little bit, which is like, in this current form, how is copyright handled with an NFT? If I buy an NFT of Mickey Mouse and I own that NFT and it's reinforced by the network so no one can take it away from me, what happens if Disney sues me or someone claims copyright infringement on an entity that I've purchased? And I wow. Think that's going to be that's going to be something coming up quick cuz uh, Tatiana posted that uh yesterday the all the Pokemon NFTs that right. fan art people are making. Uh, man, honestly, uh, that's that's going to be real tricky for companies and for buyers like that sketches me out and especially all those fan artists that make that stuff right if they're not already thinking about that uh, they should be because they should be for sure i've yeah what is the value of an nft like if you say hey i'm gonna sell mickey mouse but you don't own mickey mouse so somebody might be like okay i'll buy that for you for 30 cents because it's funny but what value is an NFT if it actually isn't backed by something substan substantiated like that? Right. Well, I guess it really comes down to what exactly are you buying? And I think there's a context where you are buying an NFT could be a representation of an intellectual property, like a character, or you could interpret the NFT as the literal artwork that you have in front of you. Either way, that doesn't address the copyright problem at all, but at least it splits up the that conversation into two separate pieces, which is like, if you own the, the IP to Mickey Mouse, then the second part of the problem goes away. But how do you... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, how, do you, how do you know that? How do you... This is the core problem of moving to decentralized copyright networks is... If I show up and say I own all of the intellectual property of Disney and I'm the first person to put it on the on the blockchain, does that mean how does that get sorted out legally? Right. You need to validate it. Yeah, just, you need to validate ownership. Quick, yeah. One quick note: the copyright um, like laws would be implemented against the seller, not the owner of the content. Right. So the artist. Yeah. Uh, well, so in that context, is that the artist or is that super rare or the platform that effectively serves the potentially both? Potentially both, yeah. Um, I would go down on a limb here and, and uh, just say Disney would hands down come out and say, no, you don't own Mickey Mouse. That right. art is ours. And so that NFT is invalid. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't put it past, you know, as much as you want to say, oh, no, it's not invalid. I bought that NFT. End of the day, they got a lot of money for lawyers and you don't. Right. So well, they so could probably claim ownership of the NFT and require you to relinquish it to them but how are they going to require it that's the part that's confusing that's the part where it's a you know immovable rock gets paired up against an unstoppable force or whatever that like sort of philosophical yeah. thing is like if a if the german government can't make you give up your 90 billion bitcoin that you've stolen how can it make you uh not own or give up a, an asset that you like buy so to speak yeah 
I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can, you know, I mean, they will, if they can manage to connect to your actual identity in the real world, then, you know, they will send you a cease and desist and or a please return our property immediately. Right. So here's my thought is maybe what they would do is say, like, there will be Disney would be like, okay, hey, guys, we're going to set up legislation where you if you're buying an NFT, that NFT has to check against our database. And if it checks anything in our database, it auto either gives us rights of that NFT or whatever. And if you don't get that your NFT certified by that contract, then you're not a verified seller and you can't sell an asset or if selling an asset outside of that is illegal. Hmm. I wonder if that's what, how they'll see this play out. Yeah. I don't know that it is, it is the wild west for sure. Either way, seeing sort of the conversation or the like subject of copyright getting actually addressed on the internet, I think is only possible through a lot of growing pains. So anything that sort of poses those hard questions between technology and intellectual property, I think are ultimately good for the space. Yeah, I entirely agree. I actually think this is the first time that um, major companies that have IP to protect um, have a technology that they should actually lean into. And I, I will, I will yeah. say that uh, the copyright on Mickey Mouse is coming up in two years. And uh, Disney has put a lot of money and um, resources behind maintaining that copyright, that 100-year right. mark. Um, so the fact that all this is happening, it would not – like, I, they've got the time, money, and people power to shut any of that shit down that they want. Like, they feel is against the company policy, whatever. Like, that, that that's one of those hard hard ones that that's a corporation that, that has the resources to do whatever they want. Like – I don't know. It's it's gonna be really interesting what what Disney has to say about it because there's a lot of fan art right now, Disney fan art that is probably being sold as NFTs. Right. Right. Mickey yep. Mouse being like the prized possession of the company too, right? Like right. Elsa. Mm -hmm. All right, you know. <laughs> but, right. but we're talking about the mascot of the company. It is wild to think. Disney is definitely one of the few companies that if they wanted to buy a bunch of tanks and roll them up to your house, they could easily afford doing that. And they definitely have like the party planning committee experience to, you know, make sure the parade of the tanks to your house is particularly entertaining. With the sound and everything. Yeah. 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 yeah all the floats for sure. But here's the thing, though. If you live in Dexland, and this is kind of the core question of cryptocurrency, if it's truly a Dex and the art is sold there anonymously and bought there anonymously, can anyone stop that transaction from happening? Hmm. Probably not. But at the I... end of the day, like as copyright comes into play, like in copyright court, the company that, has, that owns the IP to that whatever that is will win at the end of the day saying that they own that they right. still own that copyright right um, because there is no legis legis well maybe maybe that's the loophole there's no legislation behind nfts but right. no at the end of the day it's still like that is 
that's their IP, the visual representation of that character, right? Right, right. Well, this is an interesting thing because very quickly we get into the blurred lines of, okay, are memes considered fair use? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is somewhere between zero and one of being no and yes. It's a gradient. Okay, cool. What about an NFT? I'm sorry. What about a meme that is turned into an NFT? Like at that point, is it like when you start to get one or two degrees away from intellectual property, which effectively every meme is intellectual property of at least one prop person. So, so when you start getting into meme territory, I feel like this becomes one of those, like the problem's too complex. And the only solution is to basically buy in and kind of just set up your own FT NFTs that serve as copyright or intellectual property like management tools. I think the difference there is the second that money is traded um, for something, right? Like memes are traded all day for free online versus if you're going to now sell that meme, now that there's a transaction involved, I think that's what's triggering copyright. Right. Like for, for, you know, any kind of legality um, situation. Right. Good point. Good point. Ultimately, ultimately they, they could say, no, you can't use the likeness of our characters, period. Like, you know, that, that's a whole other thing, but right. I don't think anybody's going to really come after you for just posting a picture online. Like at the end of the day, that's still just marketing for whatever that character or IP is right. Uh, free for the company. Um, but if you're selling that now, that's now you're profiting on not your property. Right. But I don't know, like that, that's just my initial gut reaction to how that would play out. Sure. Sure. But what, if you if you think about that from just a legal perspective, then you're either suing, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of people a day, like, or you're suing the centralized platform who is facilitating the aggregation of buying and selling of this art. And I like to me, it just seems odd that the if you're suing people in that regard the the legal system in its current state would make that cost prohibitive or logistically prohibitive and so then to me the solution then is advocating for law and changing law and then that to me is when this gets kind of wonky and interesting i would say right off the bat a company that has their ip being sold on whatever store will probably end up giving a cease and desist to that store. So we're talking about the decks at that point, whatever decks are being sold on. um, Well, so that's the thing is no one in, in a, in the decks context, there is no one, no center person to contact the network itself facilitates that action. But somebody's hosting the site, right? Like somebody's hosting the UX. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the question is, is the user experience layer accountable for the underlying asset? I I mean, they're going to have to find something somewhere. It's like, it's like a pawn shop can't sell stolen goods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they do all day. (laughs) Sure. But (laughs) I think, I think this is more or less saying, are you suing the glass manufacturer for making glass that got used as the storefront window of a pawn shop? I only study bird law, so. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. 
It's it's a super copyright in cryptos, the most fascinating thing in the world. Because I mean, we saw this all happen with Twitch, with the DMCA takedowns, and UMG did great in terms of getting Twitch to um, change their stance and ultimately cut a deal with them to pay or track uh, music usage. But it still leads to Metallica getting muted uh, on on an official Twitch stream, which is beautiful. That was beautiful, Magic. poetic justice right there. That was a um, twenty-year. Yeah. That was what twenty-one-year irony. Yeah, that yeah, was beautiful. Yeah, karma's real. Um, yeah. So I, you know, this is gonna. And, and if UMG profits, like they, they have an, a massive legal team, um, and they did. They issued so many DMCA takedowns. This will only continue. Um, and the only, uh, I guess in my mind, what I imagine to be a more profitable business for these, um, IP holders is one where it's automated, that they make money off of the usage of all the library of IP that they own. Mm -hmm. So they're incentivized to increase volume of usage. So they don't, yes, they're right now, today, very protective of everything. They want to control the usage of all of it and negotiate the highest rate for a track in a movie, for instance. But if it's more profitable that a track gets used on every Twitch channel, for instance, just as an example, then um, that it would be great to see their business go in that direction and that they get us a piece like 20% of the revenue that that channel made during the, that point where the track was played. That could be part of the solution that we get towards, which would definitely be the better one in my opinion. Yeah. At that point, really the problem really becomes about how do you build a tool that handles the negotiation of royalties or ownership and implementation of content. And that is a murky thing, but uh, totally doable if you just have a set of preferences and then another person has a set of preferences and then your two sets of preferences effectively sort out what would be the most fair deal. Yeah. And then that's the deal. Yeah, which would actually be really cool because then you can open up cutting deals with a major label or IP owner mm -hmm. to a lot more people. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, cool. I mean, I think that's um, that's been the duration of a podcast. So cool. Thanks everyone for participating. <laughs>